0: Welcome back to another episode of Producer Grind Podcast. Karen JV JB with me. Yo, what's what's good? Good? Anno Domini in the building. What's good, bro? What's up, man? Appreciate you uh letting us pull up here, man, to this uh dope little space guy here, all this knowledge we're surrounded by, these books and stuff.
1: Yeah, my <laughs> pleasure, man. Welcome back to LA. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Um,
0: so you know, a lot of a lot of the viewers, you know, have seen, you know, tuned in to the the Gabe from Legion Beats podcast, where um, you know, he talked a lot about the new um model for selling beats online. And, you know, he said, of course, that you were kind of one of his main inspirations, one of his main mentors. So we had to come to the source. We had to, uh, you know, get Hunt a little more, get, get some more gems, get some more sauce out of you guys, you know, for the community and stuff. Uh, sure. The course, so you guys are both partners on the on the, the, the course and stuff like that, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. We basically joined forces to um, essentially come up with an idea to, to teach producers because we've both been doing this online thing for quite a long time. Like right. for me... Since two thousand and four, two thousand and three, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like at this point, what really motivates me is trying to help other producers have like the same success that I had, have the same experiences, and like get the same marketing and business backing. Because I feel like for a lot of producers, they're just all about like the beats, mm-hmm. and they don't really think about like the business side of things. Right. Right, right. So like, my mission and Gabe's mission is kind of to educate producers on that mm-hmm. side of things too, and make them like self, um, you know, self-contained entrepreneurs, self-made entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's all about. Yeah. Definitely,
0: definitely. We you know we've got a lot of good feedback from the course. You know, we've all checked it out ourselves, you know what I mean? Oh, cool. And uh yeah. started utilizing some of the things in our in our own projects and stuff. And you know, we've got a lot of good feedback from the community. So definitely uh That's great. interested to hear Love more to about hear that. But we definitely gotta we gotta take it way back because you know, you're one of the OGs, real <laughs> real true OGs, maybe the the godfather of <laughs> online heat selling, you know what I mean? So um is it true that like, uh, uh, Legion said you were one of the first, if not the first, to actually put a PayPal button on a SoundClick page?
1: I mean, I can't verifiably say that I was the first, but I was definitely one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. So I think like back in the days when producers first, first made that transition from mp3.com to SoundClick.com, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of a sudden you had this ability to have your own hosted site, so to speak, and you can edit the code and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So me and a couple other ideas, um, a couple other producers kind of came up with this idea of actually embedding. Like almost like a, a store on the site, right? Mm-hmm. So people could actually listen to beats and then buy them right away. Mm-hmm. So we just like uh, set up PayPal accounts, put like the little button in there, you know, just like one of those like buy now buttons. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I was the first guy to come up with like a drop down menu. So like, um, you know, mm-hmm. artists could come there and actually select like different types of beat licenses, mm-hmm. you know, like a lease and then a sync license for like audiovisual usage or like exclusive rights stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was like around 2003, I want to say something like that. Mm-hmm um shit that makes me feel really old <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when you when you first got into um you know making music and, and creating beats was it uh was the entrepreneurship and the online beat selling thing always in mind or is that something you just kind of yeah you upon? know it's,
1: it's funny because my background isn't really like as a as a producer or a musician mm-hmm. like i never set out to be a music producer okay but i actually studied business at school mm-hmm. and then um as most sort of college kids are i was i was bored in between classes you know there's so much downtown you just like mess around so I downloaded some free software because I always loved hip-hop right I grew up listening to like 90s hip-hop music but never I never really thought about like the production side of things mm-hmm. I mean I knew who people like RZA DJ Premier and stuff like that were right. but I never like analyzed like a beat and then one day I was just like bored so I downloaded some some uh, semi-legal software online mm-hmm. and I just started <laughs> messing around with that for fun posted it on like mp3.com mm-hmm. and after a few weeks people were like hey this is really cool like where can I buy this stuff and I was like hang on this like light bulb went off where i was like oh my god i could actually do something i enjoy doing and get paid for it that's right. fucking cool so i just kind of took that and ran with it and then always tried to apply like the business side of things back to making music too mm-hmm. because if i was gonna you know do this full time and like uh, actually make like a career of being a music producer i realized that it's not really enough to have like super dope beats you also need right. to understand like how to monetize them right
0: mm-hmm. yeah what's the most money you made like off of soundcloud back then Sound click? Or sound click, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: um, so back in the days, like our best years, we'd make like low five figures, like 10, 15K, something like that. That was yeah. kind of like the glass ceiling. But at that point, for me, coming from like a position where I was a broke college kid that's, that seemed like oh my god this is like fucking amazing you know I can I can pay for college I can live pretty nicely and I can do something I enjoy mm-hmm. and uh, back then like other producers would look up to like the the guys who were like the top 20 top 30 on SoundClick is like almost these like beat gods yeah, when you know right. we we're just barely getting by too you know it wasn't like it wasn't like we were rolling in money or anything like that Right. so mm-hmm. that didn't really come later until you know the whole funnels thing which I'm sure we'll talk about <laughs> okay right. yeah yeah for sure yeah wow so that, that's, a, that, that's
0: surprising to me I thought you know Back then, you know, it would have been because there was way less saturation. Yeah. But then again, there was way less probably independent musicians and artists like that. There was, Record their own music and stuff. For sure.
1: I mean, 2003, like SoundClick was still somewhat small. Yeah. And the whole like wave of online producers and like online artists, like licensing music was just starting. Right. So even though we're like dominating the charts, it's not like we're making, you know, millions of dollars or anything like that. But it was still, you know, a good amount for me. I was super happy.
2: Mm -hmm. During that time period of y'all just making a little bit of money, was this still a period where... You weren't paying for promo, like nobody's paying for promo, it's just like...
1: That kind of came a little bit later, yeah. So for Mm -hmm. me, I was, because I was one of the first guys to really like do it big on SoundClick. I was always just, with every new beat I posted, I was like in the charts at the top. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have a need to invest in promo. But mm-hmm. then by like 2010 or something like that, you know, all of a sudden everyone wanted to be an, an internet producer,
3: right?
1: Right. So all of a right. sudden there was like 10,000 people trying to compete for the top spots. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, SoundCloud also rolled out this like promotion thing, you know, to make money obviously, mm-hmm. um, where you could pay and they would essentially boost your, boost your beat and they would show it on their front page and stuff like that. So you could, you know, get a higher rating, get up in the charts. Mm-hmm.
0: And then you've kind of naturally been able to stay ahead of the curve and change with the market, you know what I mean, as far as ways to sell beats online. What was the next phase after SoundClick? Did you, did you go to like Airbit or MyFlashdoor? Yeah, for styles? sure.
1: For sure. I mean, the whole online beat leasing thing kind of, it was this big wave, right? That was just starting to crest. Mm-hmm. By 2010, I, I feel like it kind of reached like the peak. Mm-hmm. So by then, you know, some of the producers were making like 20, 30, 40,000. And that was pretty cool. But then it slowly started like falling back down as a Mm-hmm. Down again. So after the crest, like you know, it came like this big crash. Mm-hmm. And essentially the reason was that there was like a few reasons, but for starters, like all of the producers had their entire business set up on SoundClick. And like the SoundClick moderators, they weren't really interested in like having music producers hijack their site. Right. Mm-hmm. It started off as this this like platform for indie rock stars to you know, showcase their music. Right, and all right. of a sudden, like all these like hip hop and trap and like hip hop producers came and just kind of hijacked the site. Right. Right, right. So they completely lost interest. You know, there was no new features. They didn't embrace like producers. Cause they could have made a killing with that site if they, you know, just went all in and like catered mm. to the, od- to the right. audience. Mm. Right. Sure. But they just kind of left the site to like die a little bit and the traffic started declining. Uh, the moderators started like kicking people out and stuff like that. So me and like a handful of others were like, okay, so this isn't working. We got to transition. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like uh, sites like Airbit and Beatstars were just starting to get big. So at the time, people would just like embed their beats, um, their codes from like Airbit and Beatstars on on Soundclick. On
0: SoundClick. yeah, I remember that time period
1: for sure. But then, like more and more people were just tr- actually fully transitioning to those sites as their main sort of traffic source. So me too, I kind of switched over to Beatstars because to me it was like the best platform. Still kind of is when it comes to beat selling um and then i did the the beatstars thing for a while and then in the background i was kind of working on building my own website because i realized like if i really want to have like independence and be in control of my own destiny it's really important to have my own platform right, right. because if for example something like soundclick goes down um if myspace goes down which it did at the time you know so many people had like their main music like many artists not so much producers but like their main music um, was like myspace right so as soon as myspace traffic went down All of a sudden, like all their revenue went went away, their fans went away, and stuff like that. So I realized, like, I really want to build my own thing, Mm -hmm. and I set out to basically like develop our own site, uh, which we still have now. You know, like from the ground up, we coded the whole thing, and uh, that was kind of the transition for me to be instead of like feeling like I was working towards someone else's goals, I was actually working towards like my own goal and like building my own empire. You know, Mm. so it was like a big step for me to also be in control of my destiny, make more money, and be, be more independent. Right. And yeah, just and level up my whole marketing game and stuff like
4: that. That's um, something that I noticed in one of your interviews that you were talking about having uh, control over your own environment. And and now in 2019, do you think it's a better decision to go ahead and start building your own site if you're starting from ground zero versus going to get going on all these other platforms, or mm-hmm. would you recommend starting your own website and building from there?
1: I would say don't build your own website anymore. Um, I feel like we're at a point now. So this is uh, 2019, going mm-hmm. into like the next three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. We're at a point now where websites are kind of uh, no longer effective in in getting sales. Mm. So that's where like the whole concept of like a sales funnel comes in, right? right. Which is essentially like a simplified, boiled down version of a website.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the cool thing about a sales funnel is that um, you know when you when you transition into a sales funnel there's only one action you can take, mm-hmm. right? For for the starting uh, page of a, of a funnel, that would be, for example, an opt-in page where all the customer can do is drop their email. For the next page, which would be like a sales page, all they can do is like either buy the thing or leave. Mm-hmm. Whereas a website, you know, you go there, there's like a home page. there's like a bunch of like links, there's like links everywhere, and like here's my social, here's the contact form. And it just kind of confuses customers, right? Mm-hmm. So like the conversion on a website is super low. It might be like 1%. Or less mm. of people who go there actually end up buying. Mm. Whereas a sales funnel, it could be like like ten percent or something, right? Right. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Where I'm, you know, I, I've built this huge website, spent a shit ton of money, like years of my life, and now I'm like, you know what? Let, let me just grab this whole thing and just like go f- full in on on sales funnels. Mm.
0: Definitely. Um, when you when you were kind of just starting off, you know, being an entrepreneur, did you have any mentors, or where where were you going for for your knowledge on that kind of stuff? It was.
1: um I mean, when I first started, you know, there was a bunch of other online producers and stuff like that. Obviously, I looked up to industry greats like DJ Premier, RZA, stuff like that. But when it comes to like the online game, there was only maybe like five, six guys who were actually like doing it big and like, you know, putting out good content, but also who understood marketing. So there's guys like um, Wishmaster, Shadowville. I don't know if you know any of those cats. No. Um. It's probably before your time. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so uh, there was was like a handful of guys that I looked up to when it came to that. Devise also was one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, well, later on, I mean, when I sort of tried building my own thing and learning more about the marketing side, there wasn't really anyone in the industry doing what I was doing. So I had to kind of look outside of the beat selling industry. Mm. So I was looking at like, you know, the fitness industry. I was looking at like the beauty industry these like multi-billion industries and seeing what was working for them. Because I figured if I could apply those principles to selling beats, I would basically have like a blue ocean, right? I would be like the only guy in the entire industry doing this and I would have no competition. So that's kind of what I did like five years ago when I first started introducing sales funnels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I was literally the first producer to ever do that. And um, for like five years, nobody else copied me. So it was awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But now that, you know, we're at the point where I think people are seeing, you know, my success, seeing also Gabe's success. He was the second guy to do that like two or three years later. I guess he saw, you know, he was the first guy who was smart enough to see what I was doing and actually copy it and recreate it and be Mm -hmm. successful. Right. So that kind of made me think like, oh, you know, if it works for me, if it works for Gabe, I feel like it's going to work for other people too. So that's where we came up with the idea of just, you know, jumping ahead of the curve and just like educating producers the right way. Because otherwise everyone's going to try and, you know, replicate us and just create bad copies. So we might as well just get ahead of that and just, you know, teach them the right way Mm -hmm. to do things. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, we were having a little conversation before this started um, about... um, producers uh you said you don't mind if people copy your your business plan people copy what you're doing i embrace it yeah
1: i think it's great and the reason being is um to me it just shows that you know if if you see something that works and you imitate it then i think that's smart you know it's not like a bad thing it's a positive thing because sometimes you don't always have to be like the the very first one to do something right you don't always have to reinvent the wheel Mm. there's always like this image of you know like the um the first one running into the battlefield, he's the guy who has all the arrows sticking in his back, right? Yeah. And then the second guy knows like where to avoid them. So, actually, sometimes it can be smart to be like the second or the third guy to be in a market space. So for Gabe, like he he had the benefit of just copying what took me years and you know tens of thousands of dollars to build, um, and just seeing what worked and literally like copying stuff word for word sometimes, and mm-hmm. it worked for him too. Mm-hmm. And
4: when you guys first started your the sales funnel and the clicks funnels, how has it transitioned from the first time until where where it's at now? Like, has there been any major changes that you guys have had to make and adapt to the website and to the whole business model?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's it's always changing. Um, I always like to think that when everybody goes right, I mm-hmm. go left.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So as soon as like everyone's copying one thing, doing the same thing, I'm like, okay, so let me completely change things and do something different, right? So right. I have like a, a blue market again. And uh, for us, like when we first got started. With sales funnels, like I said, I was the only one. So I could keep it super simple, and because it was the only sales funnel out there, it always worked, right? But now that people are starting to you know, do the same thing, we're always having to one-up each other and, and figure out new things. So there's like so many different marketing things that are coming around right now that are really big and really helping us out. For example, like transitioning from sending out emails to using Facebook Messenger marketing, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, just always little tweaks and little things that are changing and things that we want to experiment with. Hmm. Are
4: there any uh, free tools that you can suggest for producers to use to help them in um, in their marketing? Like any tapes or anything that you've picked up?
1: Yeah, I mean, one big thing, and there's so many producers out there who don't collect their customers' emails, right? right I right. feel like that's such a big thing. So just set up like a free account on MailChimp or something like that. Um, and make sure, even if you're giving away like a freebie or something to collect your customers' emails, or even if you're just collecting the emails from the people that bought from you. That's so powerful, right? Because at that point, you're not just… Having a one time sale you can actually market to these guys forever and maybe turn it into like a long term customer right mm. so so many producers out there are, n- are not even doing that, which I feel like is like the most basic um,
2: common sense marketing right, right. when you were going through the time of investing the tens and thousands of dollars into building the click funnels and stuff like that or the research, what exactly were you investing into
1: It was mainly education like knowledge courses, and then testing I spent a A lot of money on like YouTube ads, Google ads, Facebook ads. Because once I built a funnel, remember, I was like, I had the only funnel. So this wasn't a proven thing. I wasn't sure it was going to work. So the only thing I could do it was to like recreate stuff from other industries, um, you know, go through the process of like copying their funnels, you know, just editing like the content to make it make sense for rappers. Mm -hmm. And then essentially just throwing it out there and testing it, right? So I had to pay a bunch of money in like Facebook ads to see if people would even like come and like buy. And fortunately, it worked out. But of course, there was like a lot of stuff that didn't at first. So there was always like a bunch of wasted money. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, the biggest payoff to me personally is like investing into knowledge. Right. I feel like the money that I spent into like courses, training courses about marketing, training courses about business, or like going to conferences—that's the kind of stuff that really like paid off big. You know,
3: mm.
1: um, it might scare some people when they want to go to a conference and it's like a thousand bucks or something. But then if you take what you learn and you bring it back and you make $10,000, that's a crazy return on investment, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Now, um, so what are like uh, some of the main, besides, you know, I, I know you said uh, um, collecting the emails and stuff, but how how important is it for a producer to actually have a plan when it comes to, you know, getting into the online mm-hmm on um, beat selling market versus kind of just winging it. Cause we've talked to, you know, especially um, some of our last podcasts, we've mm-hmm. talked to some producers that have found a whole bunch okay. of success kind of just winging it. Um, but I think those are kind of anomaly situations. You know what I mean? Like for instance, uh, Keo with Old right. Town Road. Right. And I mean, he just, he threw up a beat store, was hoping to make $180 to get another membership and he ended yeah. up with the biggest song ever whatever, longest running number one song ever. Whatever. Right, right, right.
1: And that's that's awesome. You know, I love stories like that. But the problem is like those stories make the headlines. Other producers see it and they're like, oh, you know what? Let me just wing it too. And like, you know, put my stuff out there and like, I'll be the next Old Town Road. Mm -hmm. But that's not like a solid financial business plan, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, I always feel like get your house in order first, like plan everything out, organize everything. uh, Make sure your business is solid. And then if something like that happens, it's like just a cherry on top, you know? Mm -hmm. But don't like hope that this thing will happen and just make everything dependent on that. Because that's how you run out of motivation, time, money, right? As a right. producer. Right, right. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, for the producers that, you know, have checked out the uh, the, the last podcast and everything, and they're kind of, they're hip to sales funnels and everything. And they're, they're like, okay, I'm interested. I'm going to grab a ClickFunnels free trial. I want to try it out. Um, would you suggest as soon as they got it set up to jump right into like buying promo? Or um, would you say trying to figure out some free ways to drive traffic?
1: Yeah, I'm always like a believer in uh, trying out free traffic first. So if you have a new idea um, and it's not proven yet, if you can, just try and like use some free traffic strategies. For example, like hit up some artists on Instagram, try and like network with them, send them there or try and... um, I don't know, get some cold emails or something from like a, a website where rappers are looking for beats, mm. something like that, you know? Right. Because otherwise you could just be throwing a bunch of money to Mark Zuckerberg for paying for Facebook ads and yeah. they'll just be going down the drain Yeah, because you're not sure the thing even converts and does well. Mm. So once it's proven, like once you've sent some traffic there, people are buying it, then you start ramping up and do the paid advertising.
3: Because
1: mm. well, that's, that's kind of like the disconnect sometimes. Sorry to interrupt you. Like a lot of producers, like the first thing they do is like, they just pump a bunch of money into Facebook ads because yeah. they see other people having success with it. It doesn't work. And then they get frustrated and they're like, oh, it doesn't work. You know, Facebook ads aren't for me. Mm. But they haven't even tested the thing. They don't know if it does well, you know?
4: Mm-hmm. What have you seen as been one of the most successful um, sorts of promotion that you, like, what have you seen as one of the most successful promotions? Facebook ads for sure. Facebook ads. Yeah. That's kind
1: of the holy grail right now of like, uh, yeah, of internet marketing.
4: Now, but there's a strategy behind it because we have, there's tons of producers and you read it in comments all the time. No, don't do it. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of money. Why is it that those guys have that experience versus someone like you who is saying it's the greatest opportunity of all time?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there's two elements to that, right? The first one being, like I said, you need to make sure that you have. Everything in order on the back end. Mm. So you need to make sure that um, your website's working, it's converting well, you have like a good product, you know, you have good beats or whatever it is. If you have a sales funnel, like make sure it works, make sure it's converting. Like people are clicking through and actually buying your offer because it's compelling enough, it's Mm -hmm. irresistible enough. If it's not, then go back and tweak it. Mm. And then once that converts, then you can ramp up with the ads. Mm -hmm. So make sure that's in place first though. I see, like a lot of producers, they spend Facebook ads and send traffic straight to like their beat stars page,
2: right?
1: And that like never works, you know, mm. because as I said, you know, um, those old fashioned websites they just don't convert that well. Because, say for example, like ninety nine percent of producers out there, their entire model is like, oh, let me upload a beat to YouTube. Uh, I'll put like a in the description. I'll put like a link to my beat store. Hope that somebody sees the video, clicks on it, and then buys something from my beat store, right? But in reality, the way it works out is like, you know, you might get a a couple hundred views on your video unless you're extremely lucky, right? And then out of those people, maybe 1% are going to see that link and click on it because they like the beat. And then they get to the website. There's a bunch of distractions everywhere. They see like the charts. Oh, let me go check that out. You know, maybe there's something better. And then maybe like less than 1% even end up buying. So you end up with like a handful of sales, right? Mm. So then if you're sending like um, paid, pro- paid traffic into that system, it just doesn't pan out, right? Because it's not converting well. Mm. So make sure that is in order. Then the other part of it is that a lot of producers just don't understand how Facebook ads works, right? Because you can end up spending a lot of money on something that's not targeted to the right audience. Um, you know, you might be, for example, marketing to the entire world, right? But you've got to really drill down on like, what's my target audience? Like, is it 18 to 25 year olds from New York who enjoy... Mm. I don't know, Gangstar or something like that. So, understand your audience, you know, have that customer avatar in mind and then make sure you're directing your ads to that specific audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, now, when it comes to Facebook ads, uh, you know, you know, we've definitely had our fair share of using them and it's pretty simple to target producers, you know, I mean, you can target, you know, the different softwares and stuff like right. that. Um, you know, if you're in the fitness market, you can target people that are interested in certain brand fitness brands and stuff like that, but how do you target a, a rapper? Like just targeting eighteen to twenty-five people that live in New York is, you know, maybe only a half a percent of them might even be an independent artist. If that, mm-hmm. is, there, is there any interests or fields that you you think you recommend or keywords? That-
1: yeah, for sure. So there's um, there's a few different types of ads that you can run on Facebook, right? There's like an interest-based ad. Okay. So for that, for example, you'd be looking for um, guys who are interested in rapping or freestyle rapping or battle rapping or I don't know datpiff.com or mm-hmm. something like that, right? like places where uh, rappers are hanging out. Right. Um, or also you could target, for example, like job-based. You know, a lot of a lot of rappers, they'll have like, as a, as a job description, they'll have rapper or artist or mm. something like that. So those are like interest-based ones. Then you can also do engagement-based ads. So Facebook will actually allow you to um, specifically send ads to people that have, for example, engaged with your Facebook page or engaged with your Instagram or have visited mm. your BeatStars page, Right. So you can actually go after those guys who didn't necessarily like buy right away, but guess what? I can follow up with, I can add to them, saying like, you know, did you miss this beat? Well, if you buy this one now, you're going to get a free one or something like that.
3: Mm.
1: So that's the engagement-based ad. And then the last one is the look-alike audience, where once you actually have, for example, like a list of 100 guys who bought from you, you can have um, Facebook run an algorithm, and they're going to find like let's say a million people who most closely resemble those 100 guys who bought from you. So that's super powerful, right? right? Because all of a sudden, like your audience of a 100 expanded to a million potential people right. who have the same interests, you know, same stuff like that as, as the people that bought from you in the past.
0: Is there a specific one of those three that you found to be most successful?
1: Uh, the lookalike one for sure, yeah. Mm. But you need enough data, you know, ideally, if you can have like a thousand buyers yeah. as a lookalike audience, then that's really powerful. But even if you have like a 100 or something, you can start with that.
0: Mm. Gotcha, gotcha.
4: And when you're targeting these people, you have to have something that's gonna get them to click on it. Mm-hmm. So I've heard you speak a lot about offering free items, free beats, contest prizes. What have you found to really work to get people to actually click rather than just scroll past an ad?
1: Yeah, so free stuff is super powerful. Um, people are like 10 times more likely to click on an ad for something for free than something for paid, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's like a free beat or it could be something else that's useful to your target audience. So if you're targeting other rappers, maybe that's like a mixing and mastering PDF. Um, maybe it's maybe it's even like a, sh- a shout out on your Instagram if you have a big audience or something like that you know because what does every rapper need he needs like a platform he needs like you know some kind of backing to to help him like put him out there
3: Right.
1: so just think about like your audience and then think about what they want and then give that to them for free mm. that should be like the, the foundation mm. and then once you've given them something for free you can upsell them on something else Right. because at that point they've gotten something for free hopefully they feel like they owe you one or you know they're happy with the free product so they want to buy more from you
0: mm. gotcha gotcha um, so once a producer has their funnel set up, what kind of stats should they uh, be paying t- paying attention to? And you know how do they figure out how, if they need to change
1: something? Yeah, so a good benchmark um, for the first part of your funnel. Remember, that's like the opt-in page, right? Where you're mm-hmm. collecting the email. That should always be the first part because no matter what, even if they like go away, they don't buy the thing, you want to have their email. Mm-hmm. So hopefully at some point they'll buy something from you, right? So on that page, you want to be looking for at least 30%. Which means like one in three people are gonna to wanna to drop their email. Wow. But I like it. a better benchmark is like fifty percent. If you can right. get fifty percent, you're doing really well. Mm. So at that point, you know, if you if you're getting a thousand people to your funnel and you're getting five hundred emails, that's pretty awesome because at some point in the future, probably like one in ten of those guys are at least gonna buy something, mm. yeah. even if they don't right away. For the second part of the funnel, which is like the you know, the sales page, right? Uh, there you wanna be shooting for like about three percent conversion, something like that. So out of hundred people, three are going to end up buying. Mm. Um, if you can make those stats 50 and 3%, I feel like you're on a really good path. Mm. And at that point, you know, you can roll out the ads and like start scaling. So that's
0: when it becomes a numbers
1: game. Exactly. The more yeah.
0: traffic, you know, it's just, that formula is just going to keep scaling pretty For much sure. Right and now.
1: that's why, like me and Gabe, we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on Facebook ads because we're making twice that back. So it just mm. becomes, like you said, like a numbers game.
4: Mm. Now, between step one of the funnel and step two, there could be a disconnect between the formula. So you got people to get the email, but they're not that conversion. You can't just... Eat. Can't seem to get it up to three percent. Is that a product problem? Is that a is that a branding problem? What could be the potential disconnects between I got the email and I'm not converting the sales?
1: I mean, like I said, it's only three percent, right? So you're gonna have a lot of people that don't end up buying. Um, there's a bunch of artists out there who just don't want to invest into into themselves, right. or like you say, maybe they're maybe they're just not feeling your beats, or maybe there's some other issue. But there's like definitely ways that you can optimize things on your funnel. You can test things out. For example, like one important element of the sales part of the funnel is your personal story. Mm. Because one thing that's really important is building a relationship with the artist, right? Right. Right. I feel like that kind of got lost over the past 10 years. Like so many producers just put their product online, people buy it, there's no like personal connection ever. Right. Right? They never talk to each other. So if you actually put yourself out there, you tell your story, maybe record a little video, like explain where you're coming from, explain why you're putting together this offer, explain like who you want to work with, you know, stuff like that, then you're building a really powerful relationship. And that's something that's definitely gonna, you know, end up converting much better than just having a store, right? Mm -hmm. Where nobody knows nothing about you. So Mm -hmm. it's just like a good faith thing. Like I click on this thing, hopefully the guy will send me the beat. Mm. Um, So, you know, play around with your story, play around with your offer too. So if your offer right now is like, oh, I'm gonna give artists 10 beats for 30 bucks or something like that. Maybe try out like uh, 15 beats for 30 bucks or do 10 beats plus a bonus of of five beats from this other producer that I work with or something like that. And then just keep testing those things until something hits, you
0: know? I definitely feel you on that, uh, what you were saying about the whole connection uh, being lost because uh, I feel like a lot of producers kind of feel like they need to kind of be that cool guy. Mm-hmm. they like, no, I'm not going to hop in front of the camera and be Tony Robbins and be, <laughs> you know, be Mr. Friendly trying to, you know, hey, man, my name is Dylan. You know what I mean? I'm uh, from Rochester, New York. I've been making beats, man, and I really want to help you out. But uh, but like you said, that's that's pretty important. How, how, would, uh, how, how do you think a producer, where should they start, you know, as far as like telling their story and stuff like that?
1: I mean, the first step is really figuring out your customer avatar, which is like, make it super specific. Like this is the guy literally that I'm selling to. So I don't know, give him a name. Like this is Richard, you know, he's from, I don't know, West Virginia. He's like 21 years old. He's college educated. He used to listen to Wu-Tang Clan. Now he's more into trap music, Mm -hmm. something like that. And then every single time that you're telling your story or your marketing or something like that, just picture that guy and pretend like you're talking to him. Mm -hmm. And then once you're telling him your story, you want to relate it to his story. So you want to be like, you know, listen, you're probably the kind of guy who used to listen to Wu-Tang or whatever. And that's what got me started. And I really want to bring that sound back. That's what I'm into. So, uh, you know, I'm looking for artists to work with and, like, make this thing happen. So if that is your target guy, then guess Mm -hmm. what? Like, every guy just like Richard is going to want to buy from you because he feels like he's personally being spoken to.
4: Mm -hmm. Now, with that, that starts, one thing you spoke about a lot was building a community and building a movement behind your brand. Well, how does that play into the whole branding aspect of things? It's telling your story. Mm-hmm. How does that like, play into like building a movement and building a community rather than just a store?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like the first step, right? Like uh, figure out who you're talking to. And then once you've found your audience, you just start speaking to that audience like everywhere, on Instagram, on email, whenever you're communicating. And that just builds like a tribe of loyal followers, right? Mm. The kind of people who don't just buy from you one time, but the kind of people who come back like again and again and again, mm. who eventually want you to do their album, who eventually want you to coordinate their show, who want you to do all this stuff, right? Mm. Instead of just being like a one-time transaction. Right. Mm. So at that point, it becomes like a whole movement, right? And um, once you really figure out like your language, the way you talk to your audience and stuff like that, and you start really embracing that, building your tribe, then, you know, the sky's the limit.
0: Mm-hmm. And then what, so, you know, now that you, you know, you're really working close with um, producers, you know, uh, personally kind of teaching them and stuff like that. What are some common mistakes that you see them making with this uh, funnel process?
1: I think we already kind of touched on like some of the big ones, Uh, you know, forgetting the email part, not setting up like the back end of their system and just jumping straight ahead into like paid advertising or something like that. I think a lot of producers just, just as anyone, to be honest with you, is just like impatient. Mm -hmm. You know, they've probably spent like years grinding and like not getting results. So now, like, you tell them, like, oh, there's this thing that's going to work for you, but they want to jump straight from, like, step one to step five. Mm-hmm. But just trust the process, you know, do all the background work, get organized, and then you should be golden.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what about the producers that are like, you know what, I'm not, I don't have any uh, placements like Anno Domini and Gabe. I can't name drop um, Kendrick Lamar and Snoop Dogg and Wu-Tang and stuff like that. Um, how, how important of a factor is that, you know, when it comes to, you know, the, the storytelling part?
1: I mean, it helps having that kind of like a validation of having like, you know, platinum plaques, of having, you know, people, you know, big artists that you can name drop. But at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter too much. What's more powerful is like finding your right avatar and then like speaking to them personally. You could even make it part of your story, you know, like just like you, I started independently. Um, I I was chasing placements for years, didn't really work out for me. Now, what inspires me is like to work with independent artists. Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to work with you. So that's something that could resonate with, you know, a specific person, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily need to be like, oh, this big like industry hotshot or something like that mm-hmm. for
2: people to want to work with you.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So,
2: mm-hmm. so how, how, important, how important is it for a producer to have like a lot of followers on Instagram and stuff like that?
1: Not at all. It doesn't matter. Because remember, we're getting like a much higher conversion, right? Mm-hmm. So if we send like the same amount of people to our funnel and 10 times as many are buying. So if you have 10 times fewer followers, it doesn't right. matter, right? right? You're still crushing that guy. Plus you're collecting their emails so you can build a relationship long-term. Mm.
0: So what's the, what, why do you think so many producers think they need to be lit on Instagram? You know, they need to, you know <laughs> I mean, get, be getting over a thousand likes and stuff like that. It's why, like
1: vanity why, metrics, right? Mm. It's like people see these successful producers with like a hundred thousand followers and they're like, oh, you know, if I had a hundred thousand, I've made it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And they don't really understand like the followers is just like a number. It doesn't really do anything for you unless you're right. connecting with the audience, right. you know?
0: Right, right. Mm. Yeah, because it just seems like producers think that's the main thing to focus on.
1: Yeah, no, forget that stuff. Right. right. No. And
0: Definitely. what about for like the overseas guys, the
4: overseas guys that may, and they may not say 100K is their goal, but they say, if I was in America, it would be different. Dude, I
1: came from a tiny town in Germany <laughs> and now I'm here in LA. Hmm. So it doesn't really matter where you're at, you know, as long as like we like, we live in this like unprecedented time where through the internet, you can connect with like anyone in the entire world, right? So it doesn't matter where you're at right now. All that matters is where you're going, what your plan is, like what your strategy is. You know, you can do pretty much anything you want. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, um, kind of backtracking a little bit, when we were talking about driving that free traffic, I want to get some gems here because Gabe dropped a big gem with his cold email hack. Do you have anything? That's his favorite. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Do you have anything like that that you kind of discovered along the way?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, for a long time, I was doing like the Instagram and Twitter direct messaging, and you could automate that. You know, there was like programs where you could. Literally automatically send out a message saying like, "Hey, thanks for connecting. Here's a link to five free beats. If you like it, let's work. Something mm. like that." But Instagram is kind of, um, you know, cutting cutting down on that a little bit. So mm. those strategies are kind of going by the wayside right now. Mm. So like the cold email thing is definitely a cool one. And then we're working on a couple other ones that we're still kind of testing. So I don't want to put them out there if they don't work properly. So, <laughs> mm. but um, I mean, that's that's something that you know this whole like. Teaching producers, thing this whole like community that we're building of of producers who want to learn these strategies. Um, That's that's the kind of stuff that we make available to them and like let them know like this is the latest thing that we're testing, so you guys can try it out too. Mm.
4: Cool,
0: cool.
4: cool. Other than investing um, into knowledge based things, how are you reinvesting your money that you're making from producing?
1: I mean, I still spend a ton of money on like knowledge. You can see the books. <laughs> right, right. Um, going to conferences, you know, trying to level up and just learning from like the best. Mm. Because I think it's really important to have a mentor, right? It's super powerful to just always have someone who's a couple steps ahead of you, who can kind of lift you up and show you the way. So I don't mind investing money into that because it's always paid me back. Um, aside from that, like one thing that's been really important for me as well as a producer is like doing something that makes sense with my money, like mm. investing it into something that's going to long-term pay me back because you guys know how it is, like in music, money comes and goes, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the guys who are going after placements, you know, they might have like a big hit and they'll have like a five figure or even like a six figure royalty check. But like by quarter two or quarter three, that's like cut in half and by like the next year, they're not making any money off that track anymore. Mm -hmm. So unless you can consistently like come out with hits, it's really hard to build up like a solid recurring revenue, right? Mm -hmm.
3: right?
1: So for me personally, like all the money that I made from music, First I invested it into like another business, which is modern producers. Mm-hmm. And then the money I made from that, I invested it into real estate. Mm-hmm. So I actually own five places out here in Los Angeles. And uh, that's kind of where my money from producing went.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like too many producers, you know, they see that one fat check and they go out, they buy a car or something like that. And right. They buy some nice sneakers. And then <laughs> next year they're broke.
0: So with the properties, you're on the Airbnb side, the long-term rentals, What? what's the?
1: Yeah, so right now we're short-term renting them. Yeah, but LA is kind of you know against short-term rentals at the moment, so we're going to transition to long-term. Oh really? And I'm actually They're thinking about back on it. Yeah, so I mean it's totally off-topic, but yeah, the city <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the city kind of said like you can only short-term rent um, if it's your primary residence, so if you actually wow. live there mm, through the entire city. What? Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. When does that take effect? Uh, first of November, so uh, super uh, soon. Yeah. Damn, so town. what if you have like a duplex though? Uh, there's like a lot of like little things like that, but if it's rented. Stabilized, which most duplexes are, mm-hmm. then you can't do any short term rentals there. Wow. Dang. Yeah. The hotel industry is fighting back. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's the deep yeah. pockets of the hotel industry, you know? Right. But, uh, yeah, right now we're actually thinking about buying something in Nashville because mm-hmm. um, out there, like the rules are very clear cut and they, they make sense, unlike here in LA.
3: Mm.
1: I feel like a lot of the times when like new technology gets rolled out, there's often like a pushback from government, which is too strong. You know, they, mm, they're right. sort of like over. Um, over-regulating stuff, mm-hmm. and then gradually it gets like rolled back. Nice. So right now we're at the point where LA is just like freaking out and just the putting all this right regulation now. out. Yeah.
4: Does the real estate game does it distract you, or does it? Um. Yeah, does it distract you at all from the music, or does it become conflicting at any point?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I wish there was like forty eight hours in a day. Honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, everyone's the same. You know, you got to just prioritize and uh, team build. It's really important to have like a good team in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you can't duplicate yourself. You can't be in two places at once. So for me, for like the production side, I've got a team of 10 producers that work together with me. Uh, for modern producers, I have like a crew of guys who just do like customer support, um, uploading things. And then for real estate, we have, you know, like cleaning crews. We have, you know, changeover crews and stuff like that. Mm.
0: Now, what about, um so the guys that are finding success, you know, through these funnels, through the online B-stores, maybe they're up to six figures a year. How do you know? Because at, at first, you know, when you're starting your business, it's almost like you need to be putting 99.9% of it back into the business. How do you know when it's like, okay, I can take 20, 30, 40 grand here and invest it into something totally left field, you know, real estate or whatever compared to your your primary business?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a personal decision. You know, it depends. Um, for me, I didn't get into real estate until like four years ago. Okay. Actually moving out to LA from London was the first time where I actually like, you know, invested into real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been planning to for a long time before that but in London everything's like five million bucks you Mm. (laughs) You can't afford anything Wow! so I know like people from the US say like you know Los Angeles is so expensive but for me coming from London it was super cheap (laughs) so it was the first time where I was like you know what let me buy a house this is cool Um, so yeah I actually bought the first place like out in Hollywood, I think it was like 500K at the time. Mm-hmm. Now it's worth like 800K. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that's the kind of like appreciation that you don't get in anything else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if I go out and I buy a car, it loses its value by half by the time I drive it off like the the parking lot, you know? Mm-hmm. right, right. So spending money on something like real estate is just to me personally, I think a much more worthwhile endeavor.
4: Mm-hmm. What about guys that have an extra, maybe two, three, five grand laying around? Where would you recommend them investing?
1: Uh, there's like a lot of uh, things that you can do uh, when it comes to like short-term rentals, for example. You don't need to own a property to short-term rent it. You know, you just got to get like your business cap on, be creative. For example, you could go to a landlord and just say like, um, look, I see you have this place for rent. I'm going to pay you $500 extra, but I want you to allow me to short-term rent it, mm. right? Mm. And then I can put it on Airbnb, make twice as much money and pocket the rest. Mm. And all I need to spend is let's say $5,000, like you said, for a furnishing. mm mm-hmm. And then guess what? I'm in the real estate business. And then by the end of year one, year two, I might have like fifty thousand dollars, and then I can have a deposit for a house.
2: Mm. Super sauce. I was gonna you, say getting again, off the
0: wall, James. <laughs> yeah,
2: hey, yeah. Like, can you give producers out there maybe like a, a way that you get you got the guidance to instead of getting your money and spending it on designer and stuff like that, investing it?
1: Like a uh, advice on how to do that? Or, no, yeah. just
2: your mindset. How did you? If somebody gave me a million dollars right now and I went and bought a million dollars worth of jewelry, how did you get in the mindset of you taking your million and buying property with it instead of doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard, you know, when you get money, of course you want to just like float it, have fun, enjoy life. And then, you know, I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm not saying like, don't do something cool. Don't go on vacation, but just get your priorities straight as well. Because like being an entrepreneur is all about like living, you know, five years, how other people won't, so you can live the rest of your life how other people can Mm -hmm. right? So just like grind it out, you know, invest like the next five years, just say like, look, every penny that I make, I'm gonna reinvest in my business and then I'm gonna allow myself to like have some fun. You know, I might go buy a car, go on vacation or something like that. So just put it into perspective and have like a long-term game plan. Because if you're just thinking short-term, then guess what? Like you're always trying to catch up to, you know, getting back to to zero basically, right? Mm.
0: Now, a lot of producers argue that investing in jewelry and clothes and, and, and your, your style and your image is beneficial for your career, just like it would be for a rapper. What do you,
1: what do you say to that? Sure. You might get a bunch of Instagram followers, but they're not necessarily going to translate into money long-term, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would say just be smart, you know, don't, don't let stuff like that confuse you or like jade you. Um, money and music just comes and goes. So you got to be smart with what you earn. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Now, um, speaking of sparks and we're looking at all these books, are there any uh, any main books that like really like set light bulbs off or really just got everything going for you?
1: I mean, I gotta give a shout out to Russell Branson with .dot .com Secrets. Yeah, that's a big one. That definitely kind of put me on the path for, you know, sales funnels and stuff like that. So if you want to get a good primer in sales funnels, check that one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great book as well. Yeah. When it comes to like mindset for, you know, like you said, Um, investing into yourself, thinking like a rich person instead of like a poor person. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's definitely a good one. Mm. Um, The Art of War, classic. You know, it takes a lot of good advice that you can apply. It's a bit more like, um, you know, it's not going to give you actionable actionable advice because it's all about Japanese warfare, right? But there's a lot of parallels that you can draw to like business and success and things like that. Mm. So that's definitely a cool one to check out if you're a bit more open to like reading between the lines and interpreting Mm. and stuff like that.
4: Now, how long did it take you to have your mindset transformed? Because you're not just going to read a book and then overnight be like, "Yeah, I don't want jewelry. (laughs) I want to (laughs) buy you. Like, what was that process?
1: (laughs) I mean, like I was saying to you guys, you know, I started 16 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And I spent like the first 10 years or so just like playing the usual game, like other producers do, trying to get placements you know, getting a few placements under my belt, like 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, Wu-Tang Clan, and stuff like that. And I was like, oh shit, I made it. Mm. You know, let me go, you know, go to the club, you know, have fun, Mm -hmm. do stuff like that. But um, pretty soon, like by my mid to late 20s, I realized like all that stuff just kind of fades away and there's nothing that lasts from that, right? Mm. So you might have like fun today, but like a year from now, you're not gonna remember that night you spent like a thousand bucks in the club, right, who cares? true but what are, what you are going to remember is like lifetime commitments to stuff like real estate or like investments you know things that really pay
2: off long term mm-hmm. do you have any humbling times like situations that showed you like oh i shouldn't be doing that or i should be practicing this yeah my life this way for sure
1: i mean when i first started and i wasn't making much money for the first couple of years there was definitely moments when i was just analyzing things and i was like why don't i get a serious job you know and definitely my parents were telling me like, what the fuck are you to get a job? <laughs> right, right, right. And I feel like every producer goes through that, right? There's like a couple of years at least where you're grinding it out and you're feeling like, you know, everything's stacked against you. I can't make this my full-time living. You know, this isn't going to work out. I'll never get a placement or whatever it is, right? So to that, I would say just, you know, stick it out. Make sure you have a game plan. You know, that, that long-term vision we talked about and really just educate yourself on like the business stuff, the marketing stuff, and try and like widen your field, you know, don't make your success dependent on other people, so if you're just going after placements, like guess what? It's not up to you whether you succeed like mm-hmm. only a tiny fraction. Sure, if you make great beats, then hopefully one time like this big artist will discover you, and hopefully he'll like this one particular beat. but you know don't make that your main priority, you know, focus on getting your own stuff in order, making money, and then if that happens, then it's super cool and it's just a bonus mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. now oh, no, go ahead. I'll say there's some people you know I heard you say. But develop a long-term plan and for some people that's easy for them to just go and write it out but there's like i know for myself i'm more of a visual learner so did you do any sort of um like uh, did you create anything vision boards or any sort of timeline that you looked at every day that kept you on focus or how did you keep that what was your way of making a long-term plan
1: yeah i'm a big fan of making lists mm-hmm. so i mean i'll get pretty granular at this point and it wasn't i didn't really do this up until like three years ago and it really helped me you know So I'll do like a list of, for example, like my goals for the next five years, right? And then I'll go back and I'll do like, what's my goal for by the end of this year? And then I'll get down to like, you know, what am I doing literally today? Like the single tasks that are going to help me achieve something that's going to be the stepping stone to achieving like the big thing, right? Mm -hmm. So even like writing down like a daily schedule, like, hey, from nine to 10, I'm going to be answering emails. From 10 to 11, I'm going to be reading about marketing. You know, stuff like that really helps, I find. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, we we talked a lot about, you know, um, marketing books and kind of like uh, overall self-help books, kind of getting people in the mindset. Um, but what about like a step deeper, like, uh, you know, sales books or, for instance, like psych- influence of, or the psychology of influence and all that stuff? How has that kind of stuff been important?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, for sales funnels, it's it's crazy because even something seemingly... Tiny, like the color of a button can mean the difference of like, you know, making thousands of dollars and making nothing. Mm. Wow! So there's like a lot of psychology that goes into it for sure. And in order to tap into that, I mean, sure, you can like research it. You can see what other people have written about, but also you just test it out, you know, you try something out. Like maybe I'll have a website with, a back, with like a dark background and then I'll split test out with one with like a white background and see mm. what converts better. Mm. And it's pretty crazy, like the, the kind of like small differences that can actually end up being huge.
0: Mm. definitely and then uh, in ClickFunnels they got those uh, what do they call them conversion colors mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. those uh, That is that a good place to start start with those colors
1: yeah for sure I mean they've they've already spent millions of dollars researching this stuff so you might as well be a smart entrepreneur and just like you know take the advice of these much smarter guys right gotcha so definitely start there um, I'm always a fan of like taking the advice of somebody who's already done it you know who's already succeeded and then copying them And then later, once you also have success, then you can start like testing and you know changing things and going off on your own. Mm. But if like day one, you're just like, oh, you know, this guy's successful, but let me try and do this whole thing, you know, (laughs) over here. That's totally different. No, I'm good. good. Yeah. (laughs) Like
0: I watched a couple of videos, I know what I'm doing. 10 YouTube (laughs) (laughs) videos later, I'm an expert. (laughs) Right, right.
1: (laughs) And it's kind of like, you know, this program that Gabe and I are doing, right? We we literally built a sales funnel for producers that they can just import into their click funnels. Right. Copy. And 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 it's tested, it works. But still sometimes, you know, producers, they'll get it. And then all of a sudden they'll change like everything, like the layout, the colors. And I'm like, come on, bro, seriously. Like you just mm. invested into this program mm-hmm. and now you're going to change everything that works. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that's just uh, people trying to get creative.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. And, um, and now we heard you talk about you're in the the TV and movie sync uh, mm-hmm. license yes. world. Can you talk to us about how, you know, you even got into that?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of the same deal. It was just like creative thinking. So the way that I got most of my syncs, like literally I would watch like a TV show. Let's say it's Power or something like that, right? I'd watch it to the end. I'd read like the the list of credits and there would be like, you know, music department. So I'd like see a name and then I would go off and research it on like LinkedIn or something like that, Mm -hmm. hit them up and just be like, hey, I have this music, which I think would be perfect for your show. And that's kind of the, my foot into that door, right? Mm. So I was just like find people and then reach out to them uh, personally. Mm. And when you do that, when you're sort of like cold messaging people, it's always really important to offer them something. Like never ask for anything. Don't be like, you know, I want to be on your show, blah, blah, blah. Just be like, you know, here's some free music if you want to use it. If you like it, let me know. Maybe we can work together. Mm -hmm. Something like that.
4: Mm -hmm. And now also like remember in this this video you were talking about people sending messages and like sending a message to an artist being like, hey, I would love to get some feedback on my, on like if I'm sending my beats to an artist, hey, I'd like to get some feedback on it. But that's, that's putting all the burden on them and asking them for something. Right. How should someone be messaging their music to get more of a, a likelihood of a chance for them to actually click on it?
1: I mean, flattery always helps, first of all. You know, <laughs> check out your track, I think it's awesome. <laughs> and then giving something for free, you know, that's mm. always big. Like, I want you to have these five free beats, let me know what you think. Mm. Because then they're getting something for free and then I might give you feedback. Maybe they'll like it and they'll end up buying right. something from
3: right. right.
1: But yeah, never go into like a, a relationship asking for something. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get any replies, and if you do, you know it's few and far between, right? Right.
0: Yeah. Don't don't cold DM or cold email people like, hey man, I got um, five beats for 1999 or whatever. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. It doesn't work, right? right? It's just a waste of time and it spams and everybody hates it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. for example, like somebody hits you up and they're like, "Hey man, put me on your podcast." You're probably not going to reply, right? right? But if somebody All was right. like. Hey, I've got this guy I want you to speak to. He's a potential sponsor. He's looking for podcasts. Um, and then later he's like, you know, maybe you want to have me on your show. Then at that point he's given you something. So you feel like, you know, I'm more likely to help him, right? Mm-hmm. All right, all right.
0: No, that's a, that's a definitely a big psychology thing right there. <laughs> um, so, so as far as the, the, the sync beats and stuff like that, are those the same beats that a rapper would rap on or is there a mm-hmm. different mindset when you're creating those beats, a different sound?
1: I mean, if if you're really going to go after, like, sync, there's a certain format that they like to have things, okay. like the music departments. Usually they want them in, like, let's say 30-second snippets, and then they want, like, a one-minute version. They want a version with intro, without intro, stuff like that. So you can get pretty deep into that game if if you really want to do that. But for me, I just I make beats. Um, I put them on the website. I license them to content creators just as much as artists.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So for me, I don't really go through the trouble of, like, trying to you know break things down into, like, the right format and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Gotcha, gotcha.
4: So it is possible for a producer to get into the sync licensing industry because I felt like the longest time, like even the way I would think about it, I'm like, you have to have a big brand to get into this stuff. Like you can't just, no. Might, I mean, you may be able to, but you have to know somebody. Or so yeah,
1: your uncle has to be the guy who's <laughs> a or something. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, I mean, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. But at the same time, like I said, you can like research people. You can create your own relationships, right? Mm-hmm. You can build your own network. So, whether that's like researching them and hitting them up online or going to like a conference or something like that where they all hang out and like actually talking to them. Yeah. And again, like go there, become, you know, come prepared, give them free music or something like that, or give them, for example, like a free contact, something that is going to be valuable to them. And then in return, they might want to help you.
0: And watch the Ryan Leslie episode before you go to those conferences too. You know what I'm saying, do it. There you go. <laughs> you did. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, because he dropped a lot of gems about communication and, yes. and uh, relationship building, and you know he's, he was saying a lot of producers and stuff. Go to those conferences, get a phone number. Then they come back and they do the same thing they've always done without you know really following up the proper way and all that mm-hmm. stuff. For sure. Um, so um, we so talking back a little bit about the funnels. I know you and Gabe are big on just selling more than beats within these. Um, you know, uh, you guys got courses and, and stuff like that. You also offer the, the artists and stuff mm-hmm. that, that, you know, buys into the funnels. What have been like your um your best performing like accessory um, purchases yeah. or offers?
1: So I don't know if like Gabe talked about this much, but the reason why we offer a package of stuff is because like a beat lease these days is like a commodity, right? So commodity being something that you can buy almost anywhere for roughly the same price. Mm. So with beat leases, like, sure enough, there's, like, a lot of crappy producers, but also, also thousands of dope producers out there. And guess what? You can buy beat from any one of them for almost the same price, right? So it's yeah. a commodity, right? And the only way that people win in a game of commodities is, like, either you undercut them on price or you're the most convenient, right? The easiest mm-hmm. to find, which is, like, top of the beat starts mm-hmm. charts or, you know, top of YouTube search results, right? Mm-hmm. So the way to like counteract that is instead of like offering them a beat, which is a commodity, you put together like an irresistible offer, which is not just like a beat, it might be like a package of beats, plus like a mixing and mastering tutorial, plus a shout out on your Instagram, stuff like that. Because then all of a sudden you have something that nobody else is offering, right? Which is way more compelling to the artist. Because I'm literally covering like all his needs, right? he's not just getting the beat, he's getting like a whole support network. Mm -hmm. So that's why we do that. And like some of the stuff that I've used personally, that's really worked well, is um yeah like PDS like helping them with like recording setups or with mixing and mastering uh record label contact lists, mm. radio DJ contact lists, um anything that's going to help them like put their stuff out there. Mm. You know, when I when I tell an artist like, you know, here's the beat, I hope you make a great track, but also once you're done, send it to like these 20 people. This is like, you know, the heads of like Sony, whatever, mm. whatever. Mm. That's, that's big. like that's, that's big. big. So, yeah, those work really well. Awesome, man.
0: Uh, and then for the viewers at home, you know, what I mean, um, yeah, I know you guys got a, a completely free webinar that they can, you know, tap into. Um, it's like you know, what, at least like an hour and a half or something like that, with more information that's on mm-hmm. uh, producer or I'm sorry, legionbeastcom slash grind. Uh, we'll definitely include a, a link in the description um, under that, and also make sure you check out the Gay Podcast. But tell them a little bit more about, um, you know, uh, what they're going to get, you know, in that webinar. Yeah, what exactly so, the course teaches you.
1: The webinar is kind of it's great for us because we just get really motivated by seeing other producers be successful at this point. That's kind of, you know, what like gets me up in the morning now, what gets me to like spend time away from my son. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like teaching other people to be successful as an entrepreneur is just really fun to me. Mm-hmm. But like this training that we're doing <coughs> for music producers, uh, we're essentially like teaching them the foundation of what is a sales funnel, why does it work? What is the old way of selling beats like not really work anymore? So we just break all that down, and we actually give them our exact same funnel that they can have. You know, that's converted and made both me and Gabe over a million bucks each. Mm. So um, yeah, it's just us trying to like leave a legacy and move the whole community forward in a way.
0: Definitely, mm. definitely. Uh, and then I also want to know—we're kind of bouncing all over the place a little bit. But um, have you ever like uh, been attached to a major label or a publishing company or anything like that?
1: So, I mean, I've done, I've had some like publishing deals with people like Sony in the UK, Um, also from like the sync part of things. I've been with like Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Chapel, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But again, I I just prefer being independent because I guess I'm an entrepreneur by heart and I like being in control of my destiny. So, Mm -hmm. you know, those kind of deals, if they come around, just really think hard about what you want to do. Do you really want to be dependent on someone else for your success or do you want to build the empire yourself?
0: Mm-hmm. now well specifically uh i've been i've been just super interested in pub deals lately because i know those are the the big ones those are when mm-hmm. you can get a million dollars or 1.5 or whatever uh have you from your experience is there anything more than the advance that you get from that pub deal and with just getting like an admin deal or something like that to it to administrate your publishing versus signing you know to a published companies or any pros and cons to that
1: um, I mean, it's not really something I mess with too much. I've always been self-published. Okay. I have my own publishing company. I just represent our entire catalog. Um, I help artists when they don't have publishing. So it's not really something that I want to give someone advice about because gotcha. I'm probably not like the best guy to give that mm-hmm. advice. Fair yeah.
0: enough, fair enough. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah, so uh, definitely appreciate, you know, the knowledge and stuff and uh, definitely giving people a little more advice and insight on the the new way to, you know, basically uh so, well first of all what do you what do you, what do you see saturation looking like in this new current model because you know the same mm-hmm. thing happened with SoundClick, got too saturated, beat stars and all that stuff is you know really YouTube and all that is super saturated right What do you think that looks like in this
1: model so right now, there's me and Gabe right who are doing the sales funnel thing, and then there's maybe like twenty or thirty other producers who are just starting to get in on it. Compare that to 500,000 producers who are on BeatStars right now selling beats Jeez. through their platform.
0: Right.
1: So we're talking about like 0. 0.0001, right? It's still like a massive market. It's going to take years and years for other producers to catch up. So the guys who get in on this right now are the ones who are going to kind of rise to the top and really benefit from that like competitive advantage, right? Mm. Now, of course, like eventually any new sales model, any new marketing tactic, anything like that, like years down the line, it comes like a saturation point, right? right. Mm. But it's all about like just... Getting into the mindset of being an entrepreneur of like being a marketer, being a business person instead of just a producer because once you do that, you can actually like pinpoint and recognize new opportunities as they come around mm-hmm. and just jump on those mm-hmm. and again, I'm sure that's something that like me and Gabe are always gonna share with the producer community to uh,
2: try and stay ahead of that do you ever do you ever feel like well, I feel like it it won't get saturated quick because this business mindset. You have to put you have to invest your time into it and your money. So mm-hmm. with most producers, not even just producers, most average people, they don't invest their time or money into their self wanting True. to be, you know, on another level. They don't they don't invest. So yeah. I really mm-hmm. don't see it. Anytime soon. I mean,
1: I do think eventually most producers are going to try and do like a sales funnel. But of course, like maybe 1% of those are actually going to do it the right way.
3: Mm -hmm. So there's going to be
1: like on BeatStars and and Airbit, you know, there's like millions of producers, but very few of them are actually making good money. right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be the same thing with sales funnels, I feel like. So there's going to be the guys who like have the right knowledge, who understand it, who implement it the right way. And there's going to be a bunch of people trying to imitate it and not make much money. Mm -hmm. And then probably say it doesn't work.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. But yeah, like you said, you know, you're talking to uh, millions of producers on one platform versus only a couple hundred right now because it's just getting started. Right, for sure. Cool, man. Hey, man, we appreciate you letting us pull up and uh appreciate you dropping gems on the community. Yeah, my All
1: pleasure. Right. Good having you guys.
0: Short-term rentals. Yes, sir. We <laughs> <laughs> really set something off here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, another dope episode on the books, man. Peace, y'all. Peace.